0: Hello everyone, welcome back to The Left Page.
1: Yay, we're finally back here for another great episode today. Oh, this this is, one way or another, our
0: special one-year anniversary. Yeah. Slightly early, but it'll work. <laughs> as always, I'm Frank, your historian, uh, for real now, uh, here. As always, my friend Bruno Yes. He's here, my uh, justification and actual <laughs> man of literature. <laughs>
1: Uh, so, you're you, you are actually, I don't even know the word in English, you're formado for real?
0: Yeah, I'm I
1: basically
0: graduate. Graduate, yeah. So,
1: um, you're just keeping the, the research there? Yeah, and... I
0: still need to get my, sort of, teaching degree and... Uh, oh, yeah, the licenciatura.
1: licenciatura. I don't know if it's called... I like, call but... it teaching degree. Okay, okay. Because <laughs> it works. Yeah.
0: At least in meaning. And yeah, I still have research to uh, want to sort of start and continue and maybe a master degree afterwards. We'll see.
1: Yeah, that's uh
0: it. But yeah, that's, that's, that's some news too. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of news, we also, before we get into it, we have some actual Patreon stuff that uh, we're going to talk about later in the episode and some changes to it. Some things are going to remain the same, some things are going to change for sake of doing good content and not <laughs> killing ourselves or tiring ourselves <laughs> out doing it because some things take a lot of work yeah but don't you don't you worry uh we're gonna have uh, good content and hopefully this will help and make it more regular too yeah and so yeah we're gonna talk about it more later but regardless there's still by the time this episode goes out there should be a patreon post out talking about these changes yeah so And soon enough, there should be the stuff uh, equivalent for what it's going to be. Uh, So don't worry about that. As it stands, let's get into our very special one-year anniversary. We're going to talk today about... uh, a novel, and a movie, and another movie. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Bruno, would you care to tell our our, our dear beloved listeners what we're going to talk about?
1: Yeah, so, Do Androids Dream of Electric Ship? Yeah, it's an absolute classic. I mean, it's... uh, I need to do... I need to make a confession here. I'm a man of literature. I always read, like, classics and this whole... A range of stuff, but man, science fiction is just—you can devour it. You can read it all day. It's just so good and so easy and so—and so hard at the same time. And yeah. and I love it so much. And it's just a the complete circle of uh. We started a year ago doing Orwell and Fahrenheit, and now we're back here doing Philip K. Dick, and it's it's just amazing. I I mean, I'm I'm just. I've been in love with with science fiction again, and it's it's really, really good.
0: It's fantastic. Like, once again, we're going to talk about dystopia. We're going to talk about science fiction. Yeah. And it's great. It's like, it's sort of quite convenient that it was about a year ago. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, a good one year. Yeah. And, yeah, evidently we can't, like, not talk about Blade Runner. Yeah. (laughs) Especially the original one. We might talk a bit about our Blade Runner 2049, but I was I, we only managed to rewatch, I think, the original. Yeah,
1: I, I mean, I, I rewatched uh, Blade Runner 2000. 2049. 2049. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 2049, I, I think, like, a month ago. Oh, but that's it, nice. But it was like, I was just at home with my girlfriend and it was on TV, so I just rewatched it. Hmm. Uh, it was not like rewatching, like, I'm going to sit right now and rewatch this, but I mean the movie is fantastic as well. Oh, for it's, sure. It, it's it's a masterpiece as well, just like the, the original one. And actually, the original one that has this, this whole question of the gazillion different cuts and evasions and oh, Deckard uh, narrating and and so basically we me and Frank watched the same one, the director's cut. Yes. Yeah. It's, I think, the most patronized version.
0: Yeah, there's like it seems like currently like the standard one because like one of the major things that it doesn't have decades like narration. Yeah. But yeah, it, it creates a different feel, but I, I think it works quite well. But it becomes a lot like raw. Yeah. In an interesting way, so uh, we're, we we want to get into it soon because there's a lot to talk about. Yeah. But first just a brief summary of the story in the novel yeah okay the novel and then we'll we'll briefly talk about like the story in the movie yeah because like at the end of the day they're really different things
1: yeah really really
0: do they have similar aspects sure but ultimately they're way too different yeah
1: the the movie is almost like a fan fiction yeah it's (laughs) like the same characters the same universe but the reverberations the decisions the ending it's all different
0: yeah and like even world elements that are like totally like sort of like we get it cut from the movie
1: yeah
0: some okay you you could maybe work out others like you just
1: can't it's a relatively short movie it has one hour 56 minutes
0: yeah i thought it had two hours and a half yeah
1: so and the the new one has like three hours of yeah the new it. one's super long yeah yeah.
0: that train of hollywood making super long movies <laughs> yeah. again yeah oh god <laughs> so like the book was published in 1968 by philip k dick he was well one of the greatest fan fi- uh science fiction writers of all time that's for sure yeah in the actual edition i have it, it mentions like even uh Ursula K. Le Guin talking about him and so like these influences, these relations are, are really close because he he left a fucking mark Yeah. whether in the declared like sort of movies or TV shows you get like Amazon's recently uh, Electric Dreams, you have uh, Minority Report another fantastic movie, I'd be curious to read the book or the short story as well you have uh, the man in the high castle, you have Blade Runner, obviously, <laughs> and a lot of other stuff that's like not necessarily obvious or that open, but that's still there. Yeah,
1: I think one of the greatest qualities of Philip K. Dick is sort of an organicity. Like uh, it's organic the way that he assumes that the world will be. In a way that it's almost like comfortable the way that he's talking about, like, yeah, the world has turned into this, so this is the reverberations <laughs> it's like the the giant corporations and the kippo, as as he said, and all yeah. the and all the the mess that the world has be has become and, and at the same time he writes like this is the status quo now, yeah, so it's really like it, it really sort of. It's out of your comfort zone, but it, he treats he treats it treats it as normal. So it's yeah, it's really interesting in a in a narrative perspective.
0: Yeah, and it really does work. Like it's a, a very part I had never like read him before, and it's a very particular sort of writing and yeah, science fiction. It's, yeah, it's a very direct yeah. novel yeah. as well. I'll, I'll get to it in a sec. Exactly, and it's good. It's a good novel <laughs> uh we'll have some stuff to say to it but yeah the the um, summary it's a short summary or like of the story that happens is we follow we follow two characters first we follow rick deckard at the same but unlike in the movie blade runner he's just a regular sort of bloke who is like this It's worth mentioning. They're not called replicants in the book. They're called Andes or androids. Mostly Andes most of the time. But I think replicants works better. So, like, I'm going to try and say replicants, but I might say one or the other. Yeah. Because, uh, yeah, it gets sort of confusing. Yeah. Uh, But, you know. And they're not called Blade Runners. Evidently, the title came later. They're called... Bounty Hunters. Bounty Hunters, exactly. But they still do retire. They don't execute. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs>
1: Which is really essential in the, the like the semantics of things <laughs> absolutely
0: in the book and the movie fortunately, yeah. because that is quite powerful like you don't kill you you retire yeah
1: it's not killing <laughs> yeah it's
0: not summary execution, <laughs> and he needs to hunt six uh, instead of like four or three Nexus six replicants in a single day in order for him to buy like a real sheep or a real animal yeah which is not a domestic animal and he gets like a thousand dollars per kill yeah and we'll talk we'll talk more about the animals later don't you worry (laughs) and in the midst of that we also follow a man called uh, john r Isidore or jr and he is what is classified as a special again we'll get to it later yeah and he works with electrical animals he's a driver who collects the uh, faulty mechanical electrical animals yeah. and delivers them to and fro and he's big on the religion of mercerism again we'll get to it don't <laughs> you worry these things just need to come out yeah and he has a thought on what is what bruno mentioned like the, the kipple the kippelification it's which the world, yeah in better english terms i think uh gadgets yeah. think like gadgets or thingies yeah. uh, thingification or gadgetification yeah seems to get better at it without the neologism yeah which i think is nice but like again i the translation in portuguese was very good at getting that exact idea yeah and i'm not sure if kippo works anymore yeah or yeah. outside of the context of a book yeah but in any case that's the sense of that and he's the one who ultimately, like, houses free androids. He houses Roy, uh, much like the movie. Yeah. A character who does not exist in the movie, that's Evgard. Yeah. And Pris. Uh, Pris. Yeah. Who is in the movie. Yeah. But is quite different. So, and what happens, like, the, the spo- spoilers beware, because there's going to be a lot of them. <laughs> uh, uh, Decker kills them all. He has a sort of, like, religious epiphany and... Uh, Revelation. We will get to it. Uh, don't don't worry. It's it's a thing, <laughs> which we'll interpret as best we can. And then he returns home, rests peacefully, and and has a dreamless sleep, and all is well. Nothing has really changed. <laughs> so that is our story of the book
1: so for the uh for the movie uh it's actually really really different <laughs> like I, I mean we'll talk about the the general plot but it has like lots of elements that are really like screaming at your face we were talking yeah. earlier like one thing that i think we should comment and it, it can't be ignored it's sort of this kind of fear of the orient uh, like the oriental culture yeah. uh, becoming predominant uh, in the advent of kind of Japanese domination in e- economy and products yeah. and corporations and technology. So the beginning of the movie is actually really like uh, we were talking earlier. It's really funny because Deckard comes to eat ramen and he starts speaking in English with the the cook, and he just responds in Japanese, but Mm -hmm. he actually knows how to speak English. Yeah. And it's really, um, for the time of the movie and for North American public in general, I mean, this uh, the United States is the only place where they have NFL, which is a national league where they say they are the best in the world. Yeah. So, so having a scene where someone starts talking in English and someone refuses to talk in English because it's not the main language anymore. I mean, this is shocking for that. That must have been shocking for some mm-hmm. people, and I find this really funny. This, this aspect really, really powerful in the mm-hmm. in the movie, but it's fundamentally different. The story it doesn't like the plot. It doesn't have so much. That many big differences uh, until the end. Yeah. Where I mean, in the book, Ingard and Roy are just destroyed in the same scene. Yeah. And... It's like just there's no climax. Exactly. Whereas in the movie, we have the masterpiece where uh, the the fight between uh, Roy and Deckard is absolutely epic. Yes. <laughs> uh, and it's almost like Star Warsy like jumping from a place and and yeah and, and Roy actually has so much more depth. It's it's ridiculous. It's he he actually kills Tyrell. He sort of makes a a complete arc of killing uh his his, his... creator yes. then having compassion for the one who was going to kill him. Yes. And saving him. And actually dying by himself. Like. Cho- like
2: Yeah. Basically.
1: <laughs> yeah. And, and the scene. I think like. For the people who actually follow us. The left page. Like. If you already saw the movie. It's, it's always. It gives us chills. The, the scene. And we know that the scene was improvised as well. Yeah, like so, the final
0: piece of that uh, monologue is like yeah. a full improvisation, and that's like so beautiful and perfect. It's perfect. It's like I was crying when I was rewatching, <laughs> it. and I was like, "Oh my god!" Yeah. And there's, there's gonna, we're gonna come back to it. Don't you worry, because that ending is massively different from the novel.
1: Yeah, yeah and and that's the the whole point. that I was going to like the ending is the opposite, basically. Yeah. Uh, pretty much uh, Deckard like almost assumes his love for for Rachel and they go off they uh, run away from status the sort of how can I say it the pattern uh, yeah that, that that Deckard was living whereas in the book he's just like he just goes back goes to back bed. to bed in the and same the day, day. Ends. and the day ends and he's he he's with his wife that he doesn't like that much anymore and that they fight every day and he bought the sheep and he has the money he he didn't buy the sheep like he bought the goat yeah sorry the goat yeah
0: yeah he bought a nubian goat which uh, we didn't mention it in, in our summary but might as well mention it now yeah in in the novel there is like rachel but it's not the surname's different in the in the in the book, it's the uh, Rosen Corporation. Yeah. In the movie, it's, it's the Tyrell. Tyrell. Yeah. Tyrell is also a different character, but it, we'll get. We may get to it later. It's not that big of a deal. Yeah, yeah. But the thing is, Rachel in in the novel is, is she's much more brief. She's not that present for a long time. Yeah. And there is there is a scene between them, but I wouldn't call it romance. And
1: she's it, almost like a trigger. Like yeah, for for some sense. some some actions, it's it's what uh, we were talking about earlier as well. Like the book is much more focused on. We have these questions. So what about Rick Deckard? Mm-hmm. It's really centered in Rick. Yeah. Uh, whereas the movie is like it's really it, it has the complete alternate ending. is it, the the book ending is completely conservative and the the movie is just the opposite, and it's really it opens up questions, and the book is just like this is Rick Deckard, mm-hmm. and that's it the The book ends, and it's it, 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 it's like it's almost like you've been uh like the lights went down, and you're just like
2: <laughs> wait what what happened
1: like <laughs> that's that yeah.
0: And she, like Rachel, she's a very different character and there's a a whole interaction and again, we'll get to it. Yeah. Uh, But it functions quite differently in a way that the way she acts in the book and the movie are, are really different, like she doesn't have autonomy in the book, where in the movie she does. Yeah she like, goes rogue, and uh, ultimately, like, Deckard is tasked with hunting her down, but he refuses, so it it is different, and again, that changes the ending and the way that Deckard changes as a character in a way that maybe he doesn't really in the novel. Yeah. All that said, <laughs> let, let's, let's get to in. it. <laughs> uh to some of like the t- themes where we'll slowly develop them more and more and reference both the movie and the book. Yeah. So, I think first we can go through like which I might as like reality and artificiality. Yeah. We'll talk about the animals in a bit because they'll take some time. Yeah. But I think these two aspects are something we can tackle first. Yeah. Bruno you wanna?
1: Yeah. Uh so one thing that I think really lacks on the the movie and it's almost like present the whole time in the book, is this question about the, the degree I, I don't think even the degree but like what's the worth of life, what's the worth of human life? What's the mm-hmm. worth of android life? What's the worth of nature? What's the worth of <laughs> simulation? And uh, actually, the new movie Blade Runner twenty forty nine. Yeah, it it's the whole plot is about that. Yeah, the whole plot is about having this doubt and rediscovering things. And uh, in in the new movie, K actually finds out he thinks that he's a. Uh, uh, he knows that he's a replicant, and then he thinks that he's human, yeah. and then he thinks that he's the son of of Deckard, and then he discovers he's not the son. Of... It, it's really like it's a more in-depth like voyage of the mm-hmm. as- aspect of being part of nature and being part of uh, simulation. At the same time, uh, it has even, uh, and I think that in the book. It has this this aspect as well. Cain in 2049 has a wife that is just a projection. She's not even an android. Mm-hmm. So it should be an even lo- in the in the regard of the the this world, it should be an even lower rank of living of of mm-hmm. of beings. Right? Yeah. it's even lower than than the androids. And actually thinking about this now. It's almost like in the book we have the special ones, Mm -hmm. uh, which are like treated like as the androids. Yeah. Uh, In a way, like they in in like law, they are basically treated equal. They just don't get haunted, but they get marginalized and (laughs) they can't do anything. And that's really like uh, it, it complexifies the the plot. A whole lot, because we see moments of dignity and of more humanity in th- those in those beings that are essentially not human.:
0: Yeah, they' <laughs> defined a lot like that. yeah, um, I think I think especially in this in this first theme that we think like what is real, what is artificial? It, can artificial be real? It really does bring a lot. How and that is said in the movie as well. How the uh, the Tyrell mentions that more human than human. Yeah. And the, how the Rosen Corporation wants to ultimately make a replicant that is indistinguishable from a human. Yeah. That is a human, really. Yeah. Only difference of like lifespan. Yeah. Uh, which has different reasons in the movie and the book. And... But that doesn't matter, yeah, the thing is that it functions these lines by some people in the in the novel especially are, are really, really blurred they're like totally messed apart, and in a way that're like these these are people really like they behave as people they they may even know that that they're not, but they act in this regard, yeah, so it's really that doesn't come as much from Deckard but there is a sort of like, these lines are difficult to sort of draw easily. Yeah. And uh, it's something I was mentioning to Bruno uh, at the very first scene of the novel, where we have Rick at his home with his wife, Iron, or Iran, like, yeah. probably Iron, <laughs> uh, you know. And <laughs> she she really does like, they have a emotional sort of relationship they've been married for many years etc but they utilize like sort of a mood programming machine yeah and the that's the word programming word. yeah and it, it it at least in me it generated some doubts like so in the novel is is that clearly like an android or replicant
1: yeah
0: and or, or is
1: he human it's a really weird way to begin yeah because that's a question that I think in the book, this is so complex mm-hmm. to talk about uh, like Deckard has this moment of like having this sort of mental breakdown because of having empathy with an Android, yes, and all these sorts of things, but it's out of question to to him to question himself about being an Android, yeah, so the the book almost like flies over it. Yeah, you know, I agree. Like it, it's we we don't actually know, and the question is not even asked or answered. Really. Whereas in the movie and in the in the version that uh that we watched, it's basically confirmed that he's an android.
0: Yeah, that ambiguity is a lot more present. Yeah. And like what I. One way I think about that is that record De- 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 <laughs> uh record deep uh, uh, D- De- record <laughs> uh decker sort of he develops a sort of empathy as the book goes on, and that bruno problematized really well to me earlier and we'll get to it, yeah, but regardless that doesn't like fundamentally change him and he, he makes several important questions. Like, do androids dream? Do androids have souls? Yeah.
1: But because of like his do job... They, do they leave? Are they things, as he said?
0: Yeah, like, 90% of the book, by him or by other people, he's the replicants are referred to as things. As it's. Yeah. And in a way that... In the movie, is very different. Yeah. But that when Deckard seems to approach a way of like stop thinking about them like that and like sort of valuing what they could be as like sort of people and not yeah. just things, yeah. slaves yeah. as the uh as the movie really clearly points out. Yeah. It's like he sort of goes back into it. Like he's and we, we can argue that a lot is because of the job that he does. He says that he doesn't leave the planet, he wish he could, but he can't because of his job. Yeah. And that even because of that, he... he, Oh no, (laughs) lost my train of thought. (laughs) But because of his job, he needs to sort of like suck it up and carry on. Yeah. Like he can't like quit halfway. Yeah. He can't stop. He needs to do it all in one day. Yeah. Otherwise, they're gonna run away and they're gonna be someone else's
1: job yeah even if he doesn't even it, even if it doesn't think it's right yeah <laughs> that, that's the whole like a whole aspect of the, the book as well when he starts feeling this empathy for the Androids for the first time it, it becomes a, a sort of philosophical question at the same mm-hmm. time that it becomes like so and, and this is a, a whole other gigantic aspect that we would be hours talking about it like the relation between work and like (laughs) passion or love in the meaning of should you work with what gives you money should you work (laughs) with what puts the the food on the table or should you do what you love and here it's it's complexified in this hyper-capitalistic post-apocalyptic world yeah. Uh, the question remains the same, basically. Basically. <laughs> Which is really like, and that's what I was I was saying about Philip K. Dick. This sort of uh, natural, this ability to show this hypothetical world as a, a really like natural thing, and mm-hmm. it, it I think I find it really it's really like genius in in a way of. Pointing out that lots of years have passed, the world has passed through the apocalyptic and, <laughs> and, and it's all fucked up, and capitalism still exists. And the questions that the, the the bad things that occur in the minds of people that work, people that need to make their money, they still suffer from the same things. Basically. Yeah,
0: yeah, no, that's <laughs> well put, <laughs> well put, and. It, it in a way like the record Deckard's <laughs> arc, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry I, I'm gonna keep doing it Deckard, Deckard's arc in the novel is also sort of like he has no empathy yeah. he develops a sort of empathy for the for the replicants and as he sort of dehumanizes himself to continue the job that dehumanization consumes him and he loses that empathy for them yeah. Ultimately, yeah, like he doesn't really care about the androids, yeah. So I think that really does, really just push how, in a way, how our jobs are, the things that we need to do to for money to survive can like sort of destroy us yeah. and consume us, yeah, and take away what alienators, absolutely, yeah. At that, that point, yeah. And like consumers, and take away what makes us human. Yeah. And that I think that the empathy that he develops and loses is quite distinctive. The, there's a character that Deckard runs into that is Phil Rashes, and Phil seems to be really cold, cold like like a, a replicant. Yeah. But ultimately, he is tested and is proved not to be. Yeah. But it's not that he's an android, he's just not empathical for them. Yeah. He just doesn't care and just kills. Yeah. And ultimately, Deckard sort of takes the same route. Because as we were mentioning that meeting with Rachel, in the book, Rachel seems to really like sort of frequently run into the, the bounty hunters. In order to stop them from hunting, yeah. stop them from continuing to kill their androids, like uh, the Rosen Corporation doesn't want its androids hunted. Yeah. Again, different from the Tyrell, or maybe not. <laughs> uh, we don't know that much. Yeah. But Rachel, that in that way, as we mentioned, lack of autonomy. She operates as a part of the company. Yeah. And not like out of her own free will or desire or anything, despite knowing or finding out. That she is, as she puts it, not alive yeah. and a replicant. Yeah. She. She. It, it, her purpose is to make the bounty hunters feel empathy by, well, having sex with them, <laughs> and to stop them from hunting. And she says that it works with everyone except Phil Resch, who seemed to be even colder, unempathic, violent, and sort of psychotic by killing the other uh, replicant before before that scene, uh, which was Luba Luft, yeah. um, vaguely the inspiration for Zora in the movie. Yeah. Although quite different. And she... <sighs> the thing is that in the book, Deckard's... As he... He does that, he has sex with her, and it's sort of like a catharsis and a liberation of the desire, a close yeah. desire, yeah, but it doesn't it doesn't change him like he yeah. he it, almost kills her but he
1: doesn't and yeah, he and, and it almost doesn't happen in yeah. the book because as they are talking about the like philosophical and the the whole ethical question about having sex with someone that's not alive Deckard almost goes into a wall like so i i maybe can't do this i i yeah. will not do this and then re- re- he remembers rash phrase about, ah, you should fuck her and then kill her. Yeah. It's really, that. It, it, it's really psychotical and bizarre. Yeah. And, and then uh, Rachel actually says uh, I'll go with you and I'll kill priest for you. Yeah. And then the arc, the, 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 the like, the, the requirements of the phrase are complete but he doesn't need to kill the, the person so it's alright. And it's really, like, uh, in the book, it's actually so conservative, thinking about this scene as well. Yeah. It's just, like, it's almost like he's, like, renting a, a service and that has, like, some requirements. And when the requirements, like, please him, he does it.
0: Yeah. And it, it, it's really weird, because Rachel in the book is almost like sort of a teenager.
2: Yeah,
1: she's 18.
0: Yes, she's portrayed as a teenager. Yeah. And it, it's really it's really weird in yeah. in the way that the movie she's more like sort of like a beautiful fantastical woman. Yeah. Um, yeah, she's
1: she's more classy
0: in the, yeah, in the film, definitely, I say. with absurd shoulder pads. Yeah. <laughs> I love shoulder pads, yeah. but I, even I think that was a bit much. <laughs> But it's the aesthetic of the time. What can you do? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, it it was a wild time. Yeah. But yeah, no, it, it's very, it's weird. In the in the book is very, very weird and very, very strange. Yeah. And she is a tool. She's a tool for the corporation. Yeah. She she may have desires of free will, but she doesn't act upon them. Yeah. And we, we'll get back to it uh, later, as closer to the end. But it's something that like. The characters, a lot of the characters seem to be, like, cynical and aware of the illusions and the veils that are put in front of them. Yeah. But any sort of rebellion or opposition to it seems futile, meaningless, or even, like, sort of, oh, it's just an ego thing. You're not doing it for any, like, sort of real or dignified reason. Yeah. Other than the fact that it's also ultimately meaningless and doesn't matter you're not even doing it for any decent good reason yeah which is a problem i think and i think that can be explained in a couple of ways but we'll get to it closer to the end because i think that's a a good way to wrap it all up yeah but yeah like yeah i think and oh uh, uh, i remember the thing that defines uh, the difference between androids or replicants and people in the book is quite is also different from the movie yeah in the movie it's like the emotional response yeah and okay that that, that's a thing in the book but it's not that particularly that exists even with a delay similar to to the book but in the book they they don't have empathy yeah empathy is the defining feature don't have empathy even for themselves like one another again really different from the movie yeah and they also have no empathy or respect for the animals, which... Uh, it's a whole subject. <laughs> a whole subject. Yeah. So, want to talk about the animals then? Yeah. I think this is a good yeah, transition. Exactly. Yes, I'm getting good at transitions. <laughs> <laughs>
1: so, yeah, the the animals in the book, it, it really has a a profound relation because it, it's so... It, it, man, it's just perfect. Uh, <laughs> a apocalypse happens and guess what nature is destroyed yeah and uh, everything has this kind of radioactive dust and everything is fucked up and the occurrence of animals is almost in existence yeah and the the like the most expensive thing that you can buy is an animal or anything that is actually alive yeah and it's really funny because it says a lot as well about how we, in a capitalistical world and structure, strive to go further and further from nature. Yeah, And when it actually happens and humans and nature go apart one from each other, then nature becomes luxury. It becomes uh, one of the like the Ferraris of the the post apocalyptical world.
0: Yeah, definitely, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, uh, because it like the and that is different from the movie as well. In the book, there it's clearly mentioned like there was World War Terminus, uh, whatever that was. Yeah. And, although we presume a nuclear war. Yeah. And millions of animals were extinct. Like there's this radioactive dust that is poisoning everyone. That is turning like people into the specials, which are like sort of genetic mutations or yeah. genetic and uh, neurological uh, decay. Yeah, exactly. Even. Yeah. So, <laughs> and people need to wear like sort of what, like lead crotch guards? Yeah,
1: so they can preserve their ability to reproduce without getting like completely... Yeah, without becoming sterile. Radiation. Yeah. <laughs>
0: so that and then they become animals become like this mo- the most valuable commodity yeah like they become a luxury article exactly and like like the extinct ones or so or apparently extinct ones are this
1: ridiculously overpriced valuable ones yeah. and even the the fake ones uh, of the extinct ones are really expensive <laughs>
0: yeah but it, it's like to have a fake animal is like It's a humiliation. Yeah. Decker, like, here's the thing Decker, at the beginning of the novel, has an electric sheep. Yeah. Because he had a real sheep, but it died and he replaced (sighs) it for an electrical one. Yeah. But he's deeply ashamed of it. Yeah. He wants a real animal. Yeah. Even if the artificial one is ultimately exactly like the real one. Yeah. In the way that it behaves, it malfunctions. Are mass to be like diseases yeah it is basically indistinguishable from a real animal unless you know it isn't yeah or you like you look for thanos and the like which again are really well hidden
1: yeah Uh, Yeah. basically nature has become like this kind of not consumism, but humans in in this reality have a relation with nature the same that we have with like basically luxury brands yeah like louis vuitton and (laughs) and those sorts of things people try to buy the fake ones to sort of pose that they have the real ones (laughs) but even the people that are trying to pose they are sort of internally ashamed of not having the real one or maybe i mean i have i have seen this all the time like people that i don't know buy a a hat or a cap that is not original and when someone points out that's not original people actually get really like defensive and ashamed (laughs) and and that's exactly that like it's a it's a commodity it's a luxury that in two ways it's bad because if you have the real one it's just, like, ostentation. And if you don't have it, you are simulating having it. You're losing all your peace of mind just to pose as having it. Yeah. Which is, like, really what we live today as well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That,
0: that's really, really it. And, like, the, the, there's a religious value to the animals as well, although yeah. we'll get to it uh, soon. And with the indistinguishableness of the real and the electrical one. There's a scene where uh, J.R. Isidore, yeah. he he's collecting a a, a cat which I, he, he was defective and whatnot. But once he gets to like the shop, they find out that it wasn't a mechanical cat, <laughs> that it was a real one. Yeah. And like Isidor was thinking that it was like, oh, the, these models are getting so close to reality <laughs> and whatnot. Can't even find the panel uh but ultimately when he gets to the it's shop tragic. and his boss and his co-worker talk about it i was like yeah but no that, that's true that's an honest mistake because uh yeah they're, they're they are yeah so it, it's it is a thing yeah
1: and it's actually it poses the question like when this barrier is surpassed when mechanical is equal to organical and when Android replicant is equal to human, then what's going to happen? Like yeah, what's next? What what's the what's the philosophical question then? Mm-hmm. Like are we equal? Are we better? Are we different? Are we worse? Exactly. And we are like in the verge of happening, <laughs> but it doesn't actually happen in the book. But yeah, it poses the question.
0: Yeah, and. uh, thinking about the movie like the sort of nature and the animals is sort of like a lot more subtle it's not that open it's not that obvious but i think it is a theme yeah i think it's quite evident like because there is like in the rose and slash tyrell corporation, there is an owl yeah that in the movie is said to be obviously fake because they're extinct yeah but in the in the book yeah they say that it is real. It's yeah. obviously real. It's maybe the only one because they are apparently extinct, but it is real. Yeah. And we don't know. Decades is doubtful whether it is real or not, and we don't know if it is real or yeah. artificial. Yeah. But it's there. And in the in the movie, we see multiple times. like talking about the fake animals, like be the, the owl later the snake. Like, yeah. uh, how the snake's like, it's obviously not real. Yeah. What do you think I'd be doing here if I could afford a real exactly. snake? Exactly,
1: that that scene is perfect. Like, the the showgirl just, like, playing with the snake. <laughs> what, what, <laughs> that's exactly the, the, the phrase. Like, man, if I had a real snake, you would not have seen me here, like, in, in this situation.
0: Exactly. It is... Like, it, it is similar to the novel... But it's a lot more subtle. Yeah. But it's there. Again, like, the ecological question is still there. Like, the sky is dark. You never see blue. You never really see green. Yeah. Uh, And there's, like, smoke, darkness, rain, and fire everywhere. Yeah. And emptiness, too. It's always Uh, raining. But, yeah, that's that's nature and its demise. (laughs) One last thing uh, before we we move on to what I think is going to be difficult topic (laughs) Uh, yeah just want to mention in the movie there is a real connection between the replicants and the and certain animals we have again as we just mentioned the snake and Zora yeah we have Roy and the Dove at the end yeah but in the novel replicants have no real respect for them they have no empathy yeah it's weird but it's a particularly brutal scene where like Pris and Imgard are sort of like cutting the legs of a spider yeah. because it wouldn't need eight legs and it's sort of like quite brutal yeah. and like sort of despicable and it again it serves to sort of dehumanize the androids and sort of like see, see how they're inferior yeah see how they're not human yeah ultimately
1: yeah even though a human can do those things yeah <laughs> yeah
0: uh, that's a thing yeah. oh and one last thing uh, there is a fascination for insects because since it's like sort of the dust in the air like this radioactive dust it says how birds and insects were like the first things to die out Yeah. so at, the, at this time he, he finds this real live spider and he says that like everyone he carries a plastic medicine bottle for collecting them exactly for this purpose of collecting like spiders or sort of small crittery animals. Yeah. So there is sort of like this cultural thing about animals being sort of like relevant, expensive, and in some ways holy. Yeah. Uh, which is where we're gonna delve into next.
1: Yeah. So. <laughs> Mercerism.
0: Mercerism. <laughs> the way I I, I think. Okay, (laughs) so (laughs) Isidore has a particular reflection that because there are these two forces or people, they're not people, either of them. Uh, uh, There's Buster Friendly and Wilbur Mercer. And he says how they're both battling for our psychic souls.
1: Yeah, just to put it in context, like the show of uh, uh, Buster Friendly. It's on the radio 23 hours a day with one hour of break, which is 20 minutes of silence and 40 minutes with the guests talking. And then it comes back. Yeah. <laughs> That's the level of the show. An infinite talk show. Exactly. Basically. Where, and where they don't ever repeat the, 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 the same like uh, subjects lines. and the same phrases. It's like the like the epitome of entertainment as well as mercerism and the the whole aspect of this kind of religion is like everyone in their houses have those sort of i don't know empathy boxes yeah the empathy box which is like uh i think you can explain it better
0: yeah they seem to be like sort of a black box with like two sort of handles the way i figured it like two, like, sort of metal, like, joysticks. Yeah. Imagine, like, controller joysticks where you sort of press into them and you're sort of, like, fused with the entirety of humanity who's using an empathy <laughs> box. And Wilbur Mercer, who's the sort of mythical, religious figure, as you live the moment of, like, sort of climbing this hill or being, having stones hur- hurled at you. Yeah. By the inverted commas assassins. Yeah. Who are, go figure, whatever the hell they are. Yeah. Or whatever mercerism is but you yeah, i sort of fuse with humanity in this moment of like where you both will share your agony and your pain but also your joy it is and deckard says this Deckard's is quite cynical about mercerism, except on the the ending as this sort of epiphany we'll try and get to it or through <laughs> it because it's a thing yeah and it's difficult to get yeah but he has a sort of like changing he says that like as he, he's ha- in a moment of very of very much joy and happiness, his wife tells him that he should share it using the empathy box, That is something that should be shared with everyone. Yeah. And he says, like, okay, I'm going to share with everyone, but we're going to lose it. Yeah. Uh, Which is strange and something that doesn't come up again. Yeah. But it, it really does seem to me like this empathy that is ultimately so diluted that it loses any sort of particularity or individuality. Yeah. It's sort of like a maximum absorption into this spiritual aspect.
1: Yeah, and it's really bizarre to think about this because he's actually so preoccupied of, oh no, I will lose this, but in the end he has the fucking Penfeld mood alterator. Yeah. So why the hell would would he be so concerned about losing this moment if he can... If he can stimulate that that same reaction, and but that would be thing. artificial.
0: Yeah, it's not the real one. Yeah, as he's experienced the real one, he can't re- He doesn't really want to go back to the artificial. Yeah,
1: yeah, but it, it's. It, I think it 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 comes back to the the whole conversation about uh, reality and simulation. Oh, like, definitely. I mean, in the end it's the same feeling basically it's just like the it's the same question about uh mechanical and nature animals both represent the same thing but one like has more value than the other
0: yeah 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 no that 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 makes plenty of sense yeah and yeah the way i i think it's because you have this figure of like, it's basically an opposition, and it's really interesting because it's real, but it seems mocked. Let me try to explain. Because <laughs> you have, like, this totalizing spiritualism of Wilbur Mercer, of humanity, the empathy box, the sharing.
1: Yeah, the sort of com- not community, but com- communion. like Yeah, sort of unity, yeah. even. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I-, I think that seems to make sense. And the value of the animals, and then being important in that because Wilbur Mercer apparently like was able to heal animals and bring them back to life. Yeah. And there's this cycle of death and like falling into the valley of skulls or death, yeah. and then rising, to, which is sort of the ascension, climbing back up the hill. Yeah, it's kind um,
1: of, kind of very cool reality. I don't yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs>
0: and it's very cyclical. And then you have this absolute materialism of Buster Friendly who, as we start thinking about how, like, well, how can they do the program if it's 23 hours long, there's no (laughs) interval, basically, and it's always, like, the same guests, and they're all, like, they never repeat lines, there's only one answer, like, they're they're replicants, obviously. Yeah. (laughs) And they they come to similar conclusions, or at least point in that direction. Uh, even though we they they and we don't automatically know it's it seems fairly obvious. Yeah. And again, they're equally cyclic because the program has its runtime. I uh, hadn't thought about that, but <laughs> they stand for like the kippolification, like the Kipple, like the gadget, the thingy. Yeah. The gadget that multiplies that like sort of this trash in in uh British English tat. Yeah. This tat that multiplies and it's sort of like. It's trash, it's meaningless, it's not really value, it's not really a thing, it's not it doesn't really give anything, it doesn't generate anything, it doesn't help yeah. with anything. It's just a thing. It's yeah. a thingy. Uh it's a gadget, it's a Kipple it's stat. Yeah. And Isidore has this idea, like the first law of kippification, the first law of kipple, that ultimately everything will become kipple. Yeah. It's a battle between like the kipple and nothing. Yeah. And the kipple is going to win it is multiplying it occupies all this stat is endless yeah and that speaks to consumerist society a whole exactly. bunch exactly
2: yeah
0: so it, it, it really seems to me that like you have both these aspects but <laughs> and then that's when things become even worse because there's like they're both equally immortal yeah like The Buster Friendly is sort of like, it's an Android, so he, okay, he has a limited lifespan, but he can be seamlessly replaced. Yeah. And Wilbur Mercer, as we find out at the end, with a revelation that, like, okay, there's a revelation, but at least my focus wasn't on it. I was on, like, Isidore, like, the hunting. I I didn't really care about the big news. I was curious, but I was like, okay, I don't really care. Yeah. (laughs) I want to see the narrative. Yeah. Uh, but we find out that uh, Mercers was like fake, and it was all like, sort of a stage thing being yeah. filmed and replicated, and
1: and actually Buster Friendly uh, does
0: this gives own the own news show. like the, yeah yeah
3: their
1: opponents yeah it's like exactly
0: rivals for in control of our psychic souls yeah exactly uh, a total, uh totalizing spiritualism of Mercer and the absolute materialism that is meaningless, of Buster. Yeah. And Buster, like, sort of badmouths Mercer in his show and has this revelation, which is, like, like, the big revelation, which is sort of, like, from almost, like, the beginning of the novel, that... Yeah. The announcement. Yeah. And that it's fake, and that it's meaningless. <laughs> and it, it's all sort of a thing, but Mercer sort of, like, shows... The, the thing that makes it all fucking weird <laughs> is that Mercer shows up, like... A sort of a figure to Deckard Yeah, multiple times, yeah. and actually gives him advice and is helpful or not. Yeah. In one sense, he pushes him towards the dehumanization of hunting the androids, which he doesn't want to do. Yeah. And in another, warns him of like Pris coming. Yeah. To kill him. Yeah. Uh, disguised or pretending to be Rachel.
2: Yeah.
1: So okay. Yeah, and Mercer says the the most important phrase, which is uh the nature of humanity is to violate your own your own personality yeah so you should go and do the wrong thing yeah which is <laughs> what the what fu- the fuck like it's it's almost like god comes to you and says go follow the the, the system <laughs> go with the flow yeah yeah, right? <laughs> yeah
0: that, that is exactly it
1: and he has this sort of like
0: revelation where he like, he sees himself as Mercer and this sort of like this figure, but it's, it doesn't matter because it's still inserted in that cycle. It's still in this sort of like the same end, end of times reality, a post-apocalyptic reality that is this abandoned earth. It's Mercer for what he is and what he seems to be, even if, having some aspects that are okay, it may be fake, it may be staged, but this empathy is real amongst all human beings, he still pushes Decker into like dehumanization and absorption into the system. Yeah. So, I don't know. <laughs> I really don't know. Yeah, like uh, any sort of feedback or something that, that would be helpful. Yeah. Like if there are aspects that like I didn't really get or how to understand, okay, this and like, I don't have a yeah, fucking I don't have a clue. I'm trying to understand and interpret it, but that's, that is difficult. <laughs> yeah. So all that said, I think we can move into our penultimate aspect, as we've been running an hour here. But I think this one ought, it will probably be a lot more brief. And yeah. the last one, we're going to take a little more time, but it's going to end nicely. Yeah. I think it's worth it. Yeah. Which is like, much like in the movie, Earth is basically abandoned. Yeah. Like, there are massive apartment blocks which are, well, empty. Yeah. The, there's this, uh, something which shows up in the book it, is that there's a silence of these sort of nearly empty apartment blocks or all empty. And this silence is oppressive. It's sort of painful. Yeah. And it's like, uh, the way I put it, it's the silence of the earth left behind. Yeah. The emptiness of apartment buildings, the... It's all gone, like, Earth is being abandoned, and no one wants to remain. I think that yeah. is even more pressing than the movie.
1: Yeah, there's because... even propaganda for, like, uh, going to Mars, like, ah, oh, come live in Mars, it's so much more... Uh, dignity. Your dignity back. Yeah, yeah, and that like, is the whole... Like, living in Earth is like living almost like in a favela, <laughs> like... Yeah, yeah. Yes. It's...
0: And it's the whole, like, manifest destiny thing. Yeah. Again. Like, oh, it's a new frontier. It's the new worlds. It's Mars this time. Yeah. And uh, and you don't want to stay behind. Because, like, you, that's why the thing, of, and, and that's something that is very subtle, but I think it's worth mentioning. Like, genetic purity, regardless regarding the Earth condemned and the dust. Yeah. because the specials are classified, and I quote, as biologically unacceptable, a menace to the pristine heredity of the race. <laughs> so... <laughs> and, and further on, these specials, which are, like, the ones affected by radiation, where it has, like, this neurological degradation and decay and yeah. damage, along with, like physical uh, psychological and like sort of genetic really they are dropped out of history and uh, seen as like they're no longer part of humanity they're sort of wiped out from records yeah and that is
1: horrifying yeah that is scary as fuck yeah and and it's not even like something that you're it's not even a, a crime you commit something like that it's just if you have the bad luck of becoming special like getting affected by the radiation it's over for you yeah it's like oh you get a cancer and then next day you are not you're not longer a human being yeah
0: (laughs) yeah pretty much yeah and it's so bad in in a sense that like there's a derogatory terms for the special which is chicken heads
3: yeah again fucking
0: vile oh really
1: yeah and i think roy says ant head
0: you might say it too. Yeah. Yeah, at, at least that... in the Portuguese translation was chicken head.
1: Yeah, there were both in, in my translation. Oh, good yeah. to know. Yeah.
0: Uh, But again, quite like vile. Yeah. And despicable. Yeah. It is... <sighs> it, it It is like sort of, again, like the logical conclusion of capitalism. Yeah. Pretty much. It's like the end of capitalism is like leaving earth is not like... Oh, we're outliving capitalism. No, it's just capitalism elsewhere. Yeah, exactly. And racism elsewhere and discrimination elsewhere
1: and (laughs) eugenics elsewhere. Yeah. Uh, So, yeah, I think that... And there's actually a part in the the book I I should add uh, where they say, like, I will come back to the comment that Philip K. Dick is a genius because Mm -hmm. there's absolutely no utopia being represented or thought about in this in this world there's actually a, actually a moment where rachel is talking about uh, sorry where priest is talking about fiction uh, pre-war fiction and then she says oh because it's such a joy to read about a colonization of mars that went well yeah because in reality we were slaves there Working in like unfertile uh, soil, and it, it, it has went wrong, and basically it's, misery It's still misery and still wrong, and the propaganda for people to go to Mars is propaganda. It's not reality as well yeah. so there's there's never this kind of utopia.
0: Yeah, there is no, there is no solution. Exactly. The thing about this world it's is that exactly no... what you said,
1: like uh, it's not the end of capitalism, it's capitalism elsewhere. Yeah. Yeah. It's
0: the post-apocalyptic capitalism. Exactly. It's the post post-earth capitalism, really, yeah. to its ultimate consequences. Yeah. And yeah, to the point where like they give you an android if you leave the earth. Yeah. So it's like you're encouraged to go. Like they're buying your. Exit of this condemned place, and you you want to go. You don't want to stay. Yeah, you don't want to stay. Yeah. So for our final topic and matter, I think (laughs) I think it's time to like sort of talk a bit more about like the characters in a more general way that we have sort of put it down and what we've been referring to as the conservative ending because it is. Yeah, it is. But it's very much like as i was mentioning these characters which can be quite cynical uh, roy especially is like he, he they're all watching television <laughs> expecting like the big revelation rele- the big <laughs> revelation and they see they see the whole thing of like oh uh wilbur mercer's a lie and all that and it's like the androids are like yeah what we already know now yeah. they all know and like now we're superior they sort of, like. The way it seemed to me... Of course, it's anachronistic. This sort of seemed like new atheists.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: In the Sort of like this self-righteous cynicism. Yeah, yeah. In a way that really... For... So for again, for how much blurring the lines that happens between human and androids, it's, it just seems like... Yeah, you're not pushing it far enough. Yeah, yeah. I do feel that way. Yeah. And even... In spite of that, it seems that any action they do that's like rebellion or insurrection or like sort of not acting, refusing to act like Decker does, it's its put as futile, meaningless, like sort of feeble, really. Yeah. And in one way, I, I think that that is one of the ways that it happens is because of hyper-individualism. We see individual characters. We never see like a collective. The most collective we see are the three androids together. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Trying to survive. And we are still told that they have no empathy for each other. (laughs) Yeah. And they still behave like they have no empathy for each other. It's really weird. Really, really weird. And I don't think that's good. (laughs) Like, and the point is like, there's no real hope for them. Yeah. They remain inferior. Yeah. That's why we say that the ending's conservative. conservative. Yeah. Because like they go to bed. Now they don't have an electric sheep or uh, a Nubian goat. Because Rachel... One of the ways I read is like... A sort of like a love anger or retribution. Kill the Nubian goat that Deckard had bought. <laughs> and... Now, but now there's an electric frog. All remains in place. Yeah. Like, the empathy for the androids disappear... Upon the human, su- upon like the dehumanizations and uh, overcoming of it, and the human superiority remains through the empathy. The empathy is still upheld, even if Mercer is a lie and a lot of it is fake. Like the empathy is still relevant. They're still what counts. Yeah. And again, now's the fun part. On the movie, it's something else entirely and a whole lot fucking better. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Like to just take Roy and that as we mentioned there's no climax in the book. Yeah. At all. Where like <laughs> this this whole thing about Roy being very dangerous because he's yeah. the leader and Decker's going into that and he just kills him with one or two shots.
1: Yeah, and and he actually like dodges the shots like Roy sh- shoots him and he just like does a Double seven, like yeah. dodge and
3: kills N- him, like dodge.
0: <laughs> get
1: fucked, like get wrecked, and that's it.
0: That's, that's it. it. That that's the conflict, yeah, and it's over. And like, yeah, sure, Decker is sort of like breakdown, and he goes into the middle of Oregon, where there's nothing, and finds what he thinks to be a real frog. Yeah, but he but he finds out it's electric, and he's that's what we were mentioning, like the religious epiphany of like the empathy and humanity, but then he goes back, and that's it.
1: Yeah, and the thing that uh, we actually mentioned in the beginning of the episode that I was going to talk about—it's even more conservative in the book. It has this aspect that was—I was talking to Frank that I actually read it and I could not unthink about it, mm-hmm. which is actually Deckard finds out the empathy to androids or replicants through sex, through uh, <laughs> physical attraction, physical attraction. And I could not unthink about colonization and miscegenation, especially here in Brazil, which, Mm -hmm. like, Portuguese colonizers came and they actually, like... And it's the same thing for natives, as well for, like, African people that were enslaved here. But it's like, oh, we are superior and those people are its, they are things. But actually, there is, like, even for a uh, degree of humiliation like but i feel attracted to it so i will just fuck it and then it will continue working and, and it, exactly like in the book yeah fuck it and then kill it yeah so it, it's it's really even more conservative to think about like that's what the only time that deckard ever thought of being empathic because he just wanted to fuck the the uh, or rachel or luba Mm-hmm and when this like this question is like answered when he actually uh, have sex with with Rachel he can go back to the to the job to the job to the marriage to the as uh, I, I i was reading we were reading in the in the essay to this whole bourgeois uh, structure again mm-hmm. yeah absolutely yeah it it really like <sighs> He has his little frog and his house, and he has earned his money, and the work day is over, and he is aside with his wife in yeah. a, a ruined marriage. It's <laughs> like it, it's all it's all the aspects there. Yeah. It's quite cyclical. It yeah. ends ex-
0: pretty much exactly where it began, just yeah. slightly different, but not like conclusively different. Yeah, and I think that's what like I don't like the ending. Yeah other than the fact that there's no real climax because this this whole like oh roy's dangerous but it doesn't happen well, well like we knew the movie we had the expectation so yeah. that was there was a real frustration about yeah. him, like wait that's it yeah really that's it where where's roy yeah where's roy <laughs> and like it says that roy is like he has he used like sort of drugs and had like a, a religious concern and one, just like defy this empathy, yeah, and in uh, that way that he will be more developed and more interesting than this character in Blade Runner, yeah. But I fucking disagree. Yeah. I don't think so. Yeah, I think that especially that confrontation, like Roy, speaks a lot more through his action and his final fucking line, yeah, which is again beautiful, yeah, which will be put in the episode either now or in a <laughs> moment. It, it truly is moving and it it, show, it shows like true emotional development, true empathy. Okay. Yeah. Empathy is not the key in the movie. Yeah. It's emotional development and re- reaction, whatever. Yeah. But he shows it. Yeah. He really does show it. Like yeah. he shows sadness. He shows grief. He shows, he doesn't want to die. Yeah. He's ready to die. Sure. But he doesn't want to die. He, he wants to live. Yeah. And he really does rebel yeah. in an, actual concrete manner yeah he rebels against
1: his creator and like shows superi- kills him yeah and then shows superiority towards the person who's supposed to kill him
0: yeah exactly like he saves deckard <laughs> he could have just left deckard to die or kill him yeah. before that final moment but he saves him and then like tells him like this is me yeah this is what i've been through yeah i'm ready to go now yeah and he goes
2: time to die
3: I've seen things you people wouldn't believe. (laughs) Attack ships on fire off the shoulder of Orion. I watched sea beams glitter in the dark near the Tenhauser Gate. All those moments will be lost in time like tears in
0: is a real rebellion it 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 is a real insurrection and it is concrete like he's an actual leader who he wants to live isn't that like sort of fair or right he wants someone yeah he wants to (laughs) live despite his creators yeah like because in the book that is not that is something just a fault that can't be repaired because he can't like regenerate the decaying cells in the in the movie it's a fail safe Like, so they don't rebel. Like, that's why they have a four-year lifespan. So they don't rebel and have any insurrection or opposition. Yeah. uh, Because they ultimately die briefly. So he wants to rebel against that. He wants to oppose that. And isn't that fight for survival legitimate? Isn't that fair? And I think, like, the movie tells us constantly, yes, yeah, he he may be a bit too violent, he may go a bit too far, like killing Sebastian, for example, yeah. who again had like Methuselah syndrome, so he's a parallel to the replicants, yeah, but he he wants to live, yeah, he wants to live with Pris, but he can't, <laughs> and he dies <laughs> it. It, it further blurs the lines between, like, the antagonist and the protagonist, where the former changes the latter. Like, Deckard is changed due to Rachel. Deckard is further changed due to Roy. Yeah. Like, and, and in that way, he rebels. He runs away with Rachel. Yeah. In in a better quest for, like, freedom and survival for her, too. Yeah. Like, <sighs> He Roy's monologue and before that he says like quite an experience isn't it <laughs> to live in that's fear. fear that's what it is to, to be, be a slave, slave. yeah it's <laughs> he wants to be free
3: yeah he wants to live
0: and that is a lot more rebellious than like Deckard going to sleep and Deckard like sort of no I quit I'm no. out of here because the whole story in the movie, like he was a Blade Runner, he retired, he's coming back, cause he was this badass, uh, again established at the very beginning. Yeah, which is completely
1: opposite as well. Like, yeah, he's not a in bu- the in the book. Is like, oh, the the main Blade Runner is almost dead, so maybe like you are not that good, so maybe you can try to hunt these replicants. Yeah, if you want and, the money. And in the movie is like, man, I need your help. Yeah, you're the best. We need you. Yeah. And but in the oh sorry, which is like I I don't mean to. It's like even though me and you didn't like the end in the book, I I don't want another ending for the book.
3: Yeah, no, I agree. In
1: the sense that the way that Deckard is portrayed and his decisions during the book, I mean, it would be futile to think that in the end he would rebel yeah no i I agree with that and so that's what's so good of reading and watching the movie because you have like the yin yang of of uh, of like this world of blade runner and this like science fiction it's it's really like again it's this honest like realistic brutality that philip k dick uses in the book uh, as well as there's like this as philip k dick said himself is not escapism it's hyper realism yeah in the in the movie
0: and yeah i think i think what i want to say to like sort of close up. this up yeah um uh, in, in this regard is that in in roy's insurrection like he does his quest for like freedom for a life really he wants he wants what is what it well he wants what humanity has he wants like to be human but not in a way that is dehumanizing he is one of the most human characters, yeah, like in his care, his love, even if he's a bit weird a bit bizarre. And especially the ending where he's merciful and sort of compassionate to Decker. It's like, I've been through all this. Yeah. I'm going. Yeah. And you're staying here and you figure it out. I'm (laughs) going. My time's up. Yeah. And yeah, it's... And then Decker like runs away with Rachel. A Rachel that had free will. A Rachel that acted upon herself and Decker is like yeah i i want to go with her i want to take her with her, me i love her and it seems like there's although it's still sort of weird there is sort of a real romance yeah. between Rachel and Decker which is not real in the in the book yeah so yeah i think i think the movie shows us a, sort of some semblance of hope yeah or at least an opposition that is material that is conclusive yeah as I said, there is catharsis. Like, uh, Roy kills Tyrell brutally. He rebels. Yeah. And he takes action. He's an active agent who acts in his interest for his freedom, for his survival. Yeah. And he does so.
3: Gentlemen's job, sir. I guess you're through, huh? Finished. will live but
1: then again who does thank so, you thank you
0: thank yeah. you everyone um yeah. as we had promised our, our hope patreon thing we're going to be making like sort of short essays on other stuff we've been reading yeah. uh which may or may not be in the left page like in the future or just like sort of History stuff, literary yeah. theory stuff that we're yeah. reading, that's not really going to make that much of a cut here uh, because we want to focus on the actual literature. Yeah. But that helps understand and helps take other things into consideration. Yeah. And that will be, one, more practical and possibly more helpful of actually doing. Yeah. Uh, and that, with that, we're going to keep, that is going to replace a sort of general chat. Yeah. And we're gonna keep the poetry club. The poetry club yeah. because we think that's valuable and, and the same sort of tier structure, just sort of that replacement which might be more productive and more interesting. Yeah, actually. We hope. We yeah. hope. And yeah, that that should be, be out soon. So Yeah, and
1: everyone from Patreon like if you have an idea ideas or opinions on this announcement like yeah reach way, us like, out on twitter patreon on. Yeah, yeah.
0: everywhere like yeah we're here we're here yeah and uh yeah uh so please check that out on patreon.com forward slash left page uh we'll we're, we're also on twitter yeah i'm constantly on twitter yeah uh, at, i'm not uh, on
1: twitter but. Uh, i will (laughs) i will like frank is so much on twitter that i don't even need to be on it (laughs) pretty much yeah
0: so uh, we're there at left page at left page pod yeah and yeah we we're also working on some stuff we should have uh some cool interesting content for you soon thank you for one year of being with us
2: exactly Uh, i was thinking about that right now one year
0: we've been We've been growing, we've been learning, we've got some better equipment now, yeah. uh, we've got an actual schedule, yeah. so I think this is going to be a good year for the Left Page. Yeah. So thank you, thank you for everything. Thank you for being here, our patrons, thank you for being here, li- listeners. We we owe you the world, it, yeah. it really means a lot yeah. that, some, that pe- there are people who are actually listening to this exactly. and finding it interesting and valuable. Yeah. It still sort of amazes me. Yeah, all. me too. <laughs> so thank you thank you for everything you're yeah. you, you are amazing you're fantastic and you you fucking rock <laughs> uh, so uh, i think i think that's that i hope i hope you've enjoyed i hope this episode was interesting in expanding on both blade runner and android's dream of electric sheep yeah and i will say it now i prefer the movie <laughs> even if the book is very good and worth reading yeah. they feed into one another yeah but I prefer the movie. Yeah. And yeah, we we hope you had fun, we hope it was interesting. And Yeah, and,
1: and, and it's back to lots of more episodes about science fiction because I mean it's it's obviously almost, yeah, it's almost like inevitable. <laughs> yeah, no, it's
0: fantastic and it, it helps feed and think about, you know, I don't know, the twenty twenties yeah. and the our future as a species.
3: Exactly. I hope so uh thank you thank Thank you you for everything we're
0: we're gonna leave you now with vangelis's blade runner blues it's a bit long but it's fantastic so yeah enjoy and we will talk to you soon thank you and till the next one